All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT Network. Boy, do we have an interesting guest for you guys. Rick Wilson is co-founder of the Lincoln Project. Uh, he's also co-host of the new Abnormal podcast. Uh, he's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Everything Trump Touches Dies and Running Against the Devil. Rick, welcome to the Young Turks. Rick, how are you? Good, good, good. Uh, so, Rick, there's tons to talk to about, especially in regards to Trump and the Lincoln Project. Um, and I want to ask you about the origins of the Lincoln Project. But first, uh, obviously, you guys were in the news uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Trump uh, tweeted against your co-founder, Steve Schmidt, calling him a blathering idiot and a total loser. Schmidt fired back saying, you're losing, you're getting crushed, you'll be humiliated. And Project Lincoln Project is going to humiliate you and your crooked family over the next month. Okay, that's a good, fun start. So, what say you? Look, Donald Trump is, of course, he would, of course, he wouldn't at Steve in the in the tweets because he's essentially a uh, a, a coward in chief. Uh, look, we have waged a campaign against Donald Trump and Trumpism uh, for the last nine or ten months now that we're we're uniquely positioned as a bunch of ex Republicans to do. Uh, we understand the techniques that not only rattle him but that rattle his voters. So we're going to keep litigating this case against Trump. We're going to keep waging this war against Trump. And I think Steve's absolutely right. Donald Trump is going to go down in history as one of the worst, if not the worst president of all time, presidents of all time. He will be humiliated. He will be shamed. He will be mocked. The guy is going to die in poverty and humiliation if we have anything to say about it. And, and the, this election cycle is one that, that has proven our predicate from the from the, the start, which was that this man is unfit for office, and this election is a referendum on him. It wasn't going to be about you know whether it's we weren't going to have an election where we argued about tax rates or carbon parts per billion in the atmosphere. It was always going to be about Trump. COVID made it even more about Trump because he has now cost the lives of over two hundred ten thousand Americans. And so you know we are we are prepared not only to try to wage this campaign. But to ensure that Trumpism itself and the people who enabled it uh, face a similar fate. So, Rick, I think the pressing question that everybody wants to know is, what happened to you? Um, so you were uh, a, a Republican consultant and uh, you made some of the what some will call the toughest ads against Democrats. Some would call the dirtiest ads sure. against Democrats. Uh, and now you're on an absolute warpath against a Republican president. So what in the world happened? First off, Donald Trump broke what was the Republican Party we imagined we all served. Okay, And I'm not naive. I understood all the time that there were people in that party that were not representative of the best values of this country or of the, of the party's stated values. We all knew it. We wrote about it. I've written extensively about it. My colleague, Stu Stevens, has written extensively about it. But Donald Trump took the ugliness and took the worst elements of, of the party and of American society and made them front and center, made them part of his political personality cult. And and I knew from the minute I saw him on the stairs in 15, and the minute I heard that first speech where he was going after you know Mexicans, they're not sending their best, they're sending rapists and murderers. I knew at that moment that I had a moral choice to make. And, and as, as the irony of this is we're a bunch of supposedly cynical political hacks who all made the moral choice to try to get away from and, and be accountable uh, in, in our work to taking out somebody who represents the very worst aspects of American society 
and who would enable and empower people who believe in shredding the rule of law, who believe in assertive racial division, all these things that 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 you know we now took on as a as a responsibility in defeating Trump. They're not they weren't easy choices. Look, we burned all of our boats. We we tore down all the bridges behind us. We're not going back to the GOP when this is over because there is no GOP left to go back to. Donald Trump turned it into this authoritarian status personality cult. And, and I, I, I'll say this, as a conservative, I believe the president and the executive branch should be bounded by the law. As a conservative, I think that, that the personal behavior of the president should be something for which they are accountable. As a conservative, I think that you should do good, not evil. And, and, and so here we are with a president who, who flies in the face of all those things. And, and whatever the party said it used to stand for, fair trade and, and free markets and, and individual liberty and constitutional adherence and rule of law, it's all, it's all out the window. Sorry, I cursed. It's all out the window. These people have completely decided that those things don't matter. What matters is worship Donald Trump and own the libs. So, uh, Rick, you guys are some of the top strategists uh, in the Republican Party, and that's why a lot of people are paying attention to the Lincoln Project. Uh, and and you worked for George H. W. Bush and and Schmidt for for McCain, and Giuliani, yep, and Giuliani, and all of those guys. So. Uh, I just wanted to give people that context. So then I got to ask you about two different sets of folks. Let's start with the Republican politicians. Sure. Now, they're different than the Republican voters. Uh, yep. Almost all the Republican politicians know what a crook and a con man Donald Trump is at a minimum. Because if you say, hey, maybe some of them actually do share his racist thoughts and uh, bigoted thoughts and on and on and on. Uh, but they know for sure he's a con man. So... Are you saying that the entirety of the remaining Republican Party are basically callous crooks who went along with Donald Trump uh, just for personal gain? Well, let me break it down this way, Jake, because I have a typology of these folks. About 25% of them are true believers in Trumpism. These tend to be your less bright types in, in Congress. These are the Louis Gohmert types. These are the Jim Jordan types. They believe Trumpism is a real thing. In the Senate, there are a few who are who also believe Trumpism is a real thing. About 50% of them are just scared to death of what we call FOMT, fear of mean tweets. They don't want to be in Trump's gun sites. They're going to go along to get along. They're going to shut up. They're the I'm just following orders crowd, okay? They are, sorry, I have a mouth. Uh, these people are chickens. They are cowards. They are not good people. They are politically afraid of their own shadow. They're, they they dislike Donald Trump. They tell us all the time. I still talk to these people who are in elected office all the time who call me and go, I hate him. He's awful. He's the worst. What should I do? And every time you say, you should speak out, they reply with, oh, but I'll lose. I'll lose my primary. I can't do that. So uh, they're not really risk takers. Now, about 25% of them are super opportunistic. That's Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, uh, Mike Lee, people who think they're going to be president someday, okay? Their theory of the case is they're going to take Trumpism and run it through the car wash, clean it up and say, oh, we're not really racist, authoritarian, nationalist, populists who believe in statism. We're just, uh, we were just along for the ride and we're going to clean it up. We're going to be better now. Um, 
I call all the BS on that, of course, because it, it is all BS. Um, and those folks, those folks are actually the most dangerous of the bunch. They're very opportunistic. I'll tell you one that'll surprise you is Matt Gates. Matt Gates is playing a con on the American people. That guy does not believe in anything related to Donald Trump. He is trying to build up his email list, be on Fox all the time, so he can run for statewide office. That's the game. A lot of the opportunists are the ones who seem to be the most passionate believers in Trumpism, but really aren't. Before I get to the Republican voters, uh, let me do two things. First, uh, wholeheartedly agree with you uh, on this issue. Uh, so when you said uh, the dummies who basically uh, are actually into Trumpism, at first Matt Gates popped into my head as you were saying it, and then I thought, no, no, he's an opportunist and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's no That's dummy. Right. And then I thought Louis Gohmert, and then you said Louis Gohmert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think your breakdown of how the Republicans are going is is right. I mean, Ted Cruz is the most craven of them. Oh, I mean, you know, that was so cathartic the other day when Chris Cuomo said what we've been saying on the Young Turks for five straight years now. He called your wife ugly. He said your dad was a killer and 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 murdered people. And now you lick his boots. It's these are the sickest people in America. It's just it's the ultimate weakness. And and ironically, you know, a lot of those guys are the ones who claim to be uh, who who claim to be the ones who say, well, people admire strength. They admire determination. They admire no matter if they think you're wrong but strong, they'll still stick with you. Ted Cruz is the disadvantage of being wrong and weak, and it looks awful. It's a bad, bad, bad look for anybody. I actually want to turn to the media, because in a sense, you guys are media darlings now because you're attacking Trump, and the media rightfully does not like uh, Donald Trump because he's a madman and targets them, uh, so for both of those reasons. Um, but uh, they still uh, kiss Ted Cruz's ass and... Uh, and almost the entire Republican Party, they excuse them. They say that Trump is the exception, even though almost all the Republicans are voting 100 percent with Trump or, you know, the, the, maybe the lowest one is like 91 percent. Um, and so is the media part of the problem here that they continue to cover for corrupt, craven Republican politicians? Well, you know, the media has a new sort of framing in Washington these days where they have where they have Donald Trump, who is this vortex of attention and media focus all the time. And the Republicans that they go and talk to, they they allow them to play the double game. They allow them to whisper off the record, I hate him, it's horrible, but now watch what I say to you to make myself survive, They they to let myself survive politically. It is not a great dynamic in Washington right now. Um, and And... If reporters were more diligent about this, if they were really pushing this a little harder, because right now there's almost no congressional reporting at, at the scale there should be. Um, it is almost 80 percent of it's focused on Donald Trump and the White House. And we've stopped looking at how the Congress functions as a part of our tripartite government. And they could be bringing a lot more pressure and a lot more a lot more to bear and asking more than one question. These people, you know, they, they rarely go out there and say, hey, uh, Senator Cruz or Senator Rubio, you say you you think the president shouldn't tweet so much, and you would like to support him on everything, though. And you, uh, what are you really trying to tell us? You know, is, is that a code for something? And they never push them any harder than like the very superficial layer right now. Hey, look, it, they're doing it for access. They're doing it for neutrality. They're doing it for all these reasons. 
But the bottom line is, isn't the media, I'm not talking about Fox News in this case. Fox News is Fox News. But the CNNs and the New York Times and even the NPRs of the world, aren't they in essence lying to their audience by not revealing what enormous liars politicians overall are? I mean, they all playing a game. It's not like Nancy Pelosi isn't playing a game either. She is. And I feel like all the national reporters go along with the game rather than exposing the game. I mean, you and I both know, we've experienced in Washington, there is a culture in Washington that protects itself. And that culture is transpartisan. And it's like, it's more of like an inside versus outside culture than a Republican versus Democrat or conservative versus progressive culture. And so a lot of people are given enormous leeway because, oh, I got to go see, you know, I can't hit Congressman so-and-so hard on this question because I may have to come to him in a month for something else. Or I don't want to piss off the senator because of the budget committee hearing start. I want to have access. So there's a lot of that game in D.C. And and look, Trump has brilliantly exploited that by allowing people around him to say, oh, it's all an act. It's all a show. It's 3D chess. He's all it's just it's him playing Trump on TV. And, and all you guys are fooled by it. And they he gaslights them so hard they believe it. It's 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 tragic and strange. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, you're hitting one of my pet peeves when anybody talks about Trump playing three-dimensional chess. That dude couldn't play one-dimensional checkers. <laughs> He's really one of the dumbest people we've ever had in uh, political True. office. Uh, and so what's actually really, that leads perfectly into the Republican voters, because what's really tragic is how um, a third-grade moron like this took over the country uh, first, let me hit Democratic politicians. Jesus Christ, they lost to this guy. Um, there's no end to how they much the Hillary Clinton team and entire Democratic leadership should be humiliated for the rest of their lives for losing to this not only hateful, terrible person, but this imbecile. Um, I mean, Jesus. So you get my uh, feelings on that. But But the Republican voters, they're not in on the game. Uh, they really believe it. And I could argue that that makes them even worse. An awful lot of them do. Um, The the power of the normative force of Fox News and Facebook on altering the Republican Party between 2010 and today cannot be overstated. Around 2010, Fox truly broke out and became the dominant source for news for Republicans. And I I don't mean like 50% were getting their news from it. It's now like 85%. That's where they think the the truth comes from. Facebook at the same time allowed a closed ecosystem for Republicans to believe the things they saw there, which, you know, obviously Hillary Clinton runs a child predator sex ring in a pizza restaurant, clearly, duh. Uh, And all this crazy stuff that they came to believe. And and we ended up with this, this sort of bubble around the Republican base. And when Trump, as a reality TV star, entered that bubble, they loved it. They ate it up. That was their jam. And now they're so dug in and so hardcore that that because it's a personality cult, because it is because Trumpism itself is is the purpose of the Republican Party and not a philosophy. You know, we could have disagreed on any number of philosophical or policy points, you know, over the years. But, you know, uh, it wasn't that it wasn't that you believe that Barack Obama was God, as this week you've got people saying, on the third day, Trump rose again. It's a proof of his divine nature. This is like North Korea. 
with these people. It's not like the American political system. Because look, the system we've always had has pushed and pulled left and right, back and forth. And it's never given the left too much power or too much of what they wanted for too long or the right too much power for too long. And it goes back and forth. Well, with Trump, it's just personality. There's no policy there. So all they care about is, is the dear leader happy? Is Trump empowered? Does Trump feel like he's God today? And they don't care about anything else. Yeah. So, uh, Rick, we joke around sometimes on the show that it's eventually going to get to Kim Jong-il levels. Uh, and we're real close. He, it, because Kim Jong-il used to say that he bowled a 300 in every uh, game. Uh, he once shot a, you know, a 27 on an 18 uh, hole. Right. Uh, you know, and and he, and but the ultimate is he said uh, that he had no anus, uh, <laughs> and I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for Republicans <laughs> to say no. Donald Trump does not have an anus, uh, so has uh, is you know, so that we are at that level though. I mean, Lou, Lou yeah. Dobbs uh, on when we found out, I think it was. I mean, is name any controversy, any massive controversy around Trump, but I think it's when we found out that he pays no taxes and that he's broke. Um, uh, Lou Dobbs came out and said, "This is the greatest day for Donald Trump." Uh, I mean, they would. The Lou Dobbs and Sean Hannity's of the world would uh, embarrass North Korean propagandists for being weak sauce. <laughs> like, yeah. this is how you do it. Insufficiently committed to Juche. You know, they, <laughs> they don't have uh, any boundaries anymore. They don't have any limits anymore. And they are rewarded by their followers now for feeding them irreality. They're rewarded by their followers and their viewers for feeding them this fantasy vision of Donald Trump. And it is... I mean, look, Donald Trump obsessed for four or five years of try, trying to get missile parades and big parades of tanks through the streets of D.C. because he, he loves what Kim Jong-un gets. It's crazy talk. Yeah. So, Rick, uh, now, I could relate to you a little bit because I used to be a Republican, too. I, I left earlier than you did. Uh, so th then let me ask you about that middle ground where I, of course, think you should have left earlier. Um, so... Um, uh, when I realized, so when, uh, so when I was a kid, I grew up, uh, my dad was a small business owner and I grew up a Republican because we wanted less regulation and we believed in balanced budgets and peace through strength and all that stuff. I'm sure you could relate to that as well. Um, but I, I came to realize as I grew up that these guys were full of crap on every front. Um, and so they never balanced budgets ever. Uh, and that's why, um, you know, I, I supported George H.W. Bush uh, just as, you know, uh, a student, not not anything mm -hmm. uh, like working for him like you did. But uh, but I, look, there was parts of the reason why, because we weren't supposed to invade countries that didn't invade us. Uh, we were supposed to bring the world together, not apart. Uh, and, and he actually took tremendous risk in, in, in uh, trying to uh, close the deficit and raise right. taxes. Right. And so that there was some principle back then. I'll, I'll grant you that because I remember it. I lived it. Um, now, having said that, though, I realized, no, uh, George W. Bush never going to balance the budget. And none of them ever did. Reagan didn't. It was all a ploy to get uh, tax cuts for the rich and deregulation for the rich. Uh, and and then, I mean, I could break down every single aspect of it. But, though, of course, the really important one is race. When I realized, oh, the Southern strategy is just a strategy to get racist votes in the South, you can't really say that Trump isn't a logical conclusion to that strategy. Well, the, if Trump had any ideological underpinning at all, 
And there really there there were plenty of Republicans who did have an ideological belief in those things, but the disconnect, of course, between philosophy and execution, um, and between the fundamental underlying corruption of what happens when you get to D.C. So a lot of Republicans who say I'm a free market guy, I want government out of our business and low taxes. Well, then they get to D.C. and it's oh well, this guy's company is donated to us, so we're going to not do coal regulations for water quality. Or this guy's a good friend of ours, so we're not going to do anything that hurts pharma or healthcare, uh, hospital companies, whatever. That corruption to me is like the more, almost the more insidious aspect of hypocrisy in the Republican Party. I mean, and and you know, being a guy now who's in the democracy business and not in the and not in the the, the trying to litigate Republican ideology anymore, because I don't. I think what we learned was that Trump stripped it away, and, and that 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 a lot of people like me had a, had a set of comforting illusions about what we were fighting for. And my friend Stuart Stevens has written beautifully on this, more so than I have, but I've, I've covered it in some of my, my chapters and some of my articles. That idea that the things we talked about, uh, uh, adherence to the Constitution, um, you know, so like I was one of the first Republican consultants, and I would think it was back in maybe six or eight, I started telling my, my clients, I'm like, listen, my personal view on gay marriage is that what the, sorry guys, I have such a mouth, I apologize. My personal view is, you know, what what is it the government's business who gets married? Um, why is that a, a role of the state? And I, I got a lot of pushback on it at the time, but I started to realize there were parts of the party and parts of the coalition that were never going to be satisfied um, with, with the things they said they were going to be satisfied with. They wanted... Uh, you know, a, an unlevel playing field on tax cuts. They wanted, uh, you know, an unlevel playing field on on race and many other issues. I'll tell you one of the tax cut stories I told in my first book. In 2017, I had a moment where I was like, okay, this tax bill, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it. And it, it maybe they're gonna do the right thing here. So I called a buddy of mine who's a lobbyist, and he goes, hey, I can't talk. I'm in McConnell's office. I'm like, what are you doing in McConnell's office? He goes, I'm writing the tax bill with a bunch of other guys. You, I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I'm writing the tax bill. I said, so just tell me there's some middle class uplift in this thing. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I got about 150 people on Wall Street that are going to make money off this deal. That's it. The rest is all window dressing. Hey, Rick, what you just said there is hey, more important than... Jacob, do one second. And that just... And I want to say this like, advisedly not to sound sentimental it like broke my heart because i really believed in a philosophy that that if you if you empowered people at the grassroots with more freedom and more liberty and more you know economic discretion that it was going to be a good thing and i and i realized i'd been a part of that system of basically you know uh, handing that stuff over yeah, Rick, I think what you just said there is more important than all, all of the work of Lincoln Project, which is really important, uh, because if if you could get across to people that the real problem is uh, the money that politicians are taking uh, to do, take that to take the actions that they're taking and write the bills that they're uh, writing, I think that would make more of a difference than anything else. So the, but again, I come back to the problem is the media. They won't say the most obvious thing in the world. What, these campaign contributions are flat out bribes. Uh, it, yeah, look, of course, of course. <laughs> it, and believe me, Mitch McConnell 
could not name 100 constituents in Kentucky if you had a gun to his head. Mitch McConnell could give you the names, addresses, and birthdays of 100 lobbyists in D.C. Easy. Uh, Easy. Yeah. Without yeah. breaking a sweat. It yeah. Sweats. You know, the more we talk, Rick, the more disgusted I am by the mainstream media for not doing their job and actually covering the news. Everyone that is in politics knows that that's the game that's played. Yet they never tell the American people. All of these people are corrupt. They're all taking bribes. It's just, it's revolting beyond it, belief. It, it is, you know, we may disagree on a lot of policy things, but as we say in the Lincoln Project, when this is done, they're always like, what are you going to do with Trump out? With Trump out? Are you going to help Biden or not? And I, first of all, I think a lot of Biden's work for the first two years is going to be getting out of the ditch economically and, and COVID relief. But we're at a point in this country where we need to have an anti-corruption bill in D.C. We need to do a Voting Rights Act in D.C. We need a Foreign Election Interference Act in D.C. We've got some big things to do to fix this country. And there are things we can do that will start to reform the the, the brokenness of the system that don't require a constitutional amendment or giant Supreme Court cases or mega bills. There are some things that are very simple. Here's a one-liner. No member of Congress may lobby after their tenure in office is over. Yeah, No Rick, staff member in Congress may lobby after their tenure in office is over. Yeah, I know, Rick. <laughs> the, the, the reality is you'll pass that over their dead bodies. Of course. Of course. Uh, and, so, and so I actually think getting a constitutional amendment is easier uh, than passing a bill yeah, saying that you are not. I, I don't disagree it. with you in terms of the of the ease. It's just that a constitutional amendment takes twenty years. I don't think we have twenty years of this corruption left in us. Yeah. All right. So last thing is is what you were alluding to uh, there, Rick. Um, what happens after the election to you guys? I mean, when I saw you guys do the ad against the Republican senators, I thought, wow, they just burnt that bridge. It's burnt to a crisp. Uh, we burned it to a crisp. But listen, we we said this in the very first day when I sat at, at, at when I stood at the podium where Abraham Lincoln stood in the Cooper Union. We said we were going after Trump and Trumpism and his enablers as long as it took. So the people that have enabled him and empowered him and have, have been part of this corrupt scheme of his, we're going to be visiting them in twenty two and in twenty four. And and the Lincoln Project's going to have you know we may not ever be as huge as we are this year again. Okay, we're going to raise $70 million this year. We've been in 11 or 12 states. We've run a very significant operation. We've done, you know, 94% of our money's gone to voter contact. We're pushing it out there as hard as we can. But we will always be around to go after these people um, in, in, and to split off the leaning voters, the Republican and centrist leaning voters, away from corrupt individuals uh, in, the, in the future. All right. Uh, Rick Wilson, co-founder of The Lincoln Project. His books are... Everything Trump uh, touches dies and running against the devil. And he's also got a podcast uh, called The New Abnormal. Rick, thanks for joining us on The Young Turks. Thank you for having me. I'll talk to you soon.